Welcome to the Bucket Problem, episode 18. I am your host, Ace Ambender. We are brought to you, as always, by Homefield Apparel. I will get it out of the way right now. Use promo code BUCKETPROBLEM for 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com. We have two co-hosts and a guest today. Uh, ben Gorin of the uh, Northwestern Internet is here. <laughs> And as uh, are uh, Connor and Dan, uh, Alex is uh, uh, fresh off a move and also prepping for our uh, massive hoops preview podcast soon to come. Uh, but first, uh, we are coming off a bye week, uh, heading into a Northwestern game, and therefore we thought it would be a good time to bring Ben Gorin on to talk <laughs> naturally about uh, the Philadelphia 76ers and Ben Simmons, because it's uh, it's it's uh, opening night of the NBA, baby. And uh, that dude just, uh, he left. He walked out. Um, ben, welcome. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about your professional basketball team? Thanks for that excellent segue to talk to move from something I would love to talk about to something that I pretend doesn't exist. Uh, it's my understanding that the entirety, 70, entirety of the 76ers organization were arraigned by Interpol this afternoon. <laughs> And they're not playing basketball anymore. Tragic. So, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and root for the Magic this year. They seem cool. Jalen Suggs, others. Yeah, basketball. Ben Simmons brothers. is a loser. I don't want to talk about him. <laughs> Damn. It's, yeah, it, it's, I mean, look, I, I still have like a couple more years, I feel like, before um, Philly sports start annoying me again, given the Eagles won a Super Bowl, and I just never thought that would happen in my lifetime. Um, I've but, seen your Twitter timeline, man. You can't just say that. <laughs> yeah, that's a well, lot. yeah, I mean, like, as but like as a Philadelphian, like that's like the most that's like the most mellow you can be about sports is like tweeting about it at least ten times a week. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that's Ben fair. Simmons, Ben Simmons uh, should be tried for war crimes, in it's my true. opinion. In my humble opinion, yep. um, I don't think that's too far. I, I mean, he has caused all of us to side with management, which uh, if you listen to this podcast, you, you may know that that's not normally our jam, but uh, Ben Simmons has made us all Republicans. It's really quite something. Uh, Connor, you're not a 76ers fan, so uh, you're probably in a good mood today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I'm doing great. Um, I honestly think, like, I, I have to say this. I think Ben Simmons is actually a pioneer who deserves a lot more credit. Because the stereotype of Australians is that they're all, like, really pleasant and, like, down for whatever and uh, just sort of incredibly good-natured people. I think by smashing those stereotypes, he's really bringing forward Australian representation in the U.S. So good for him, honestly. <laughs> yeah, ben Simmons is like, wow. what if, like, Ben Simmons is like, what if Drake was Australian? <laughs> uh, you, you do know what they call... Uh... Ben Simmons within the Australian national team. I saw that today. It's the Yank, right? Yes. It's so good. It's such a solid dunk. Like, awesome. It is amazing that that whole team has an incredible burn for like the best player in Australian history. Oh, I could have foreseen. What a yeah. nightmare. I mean, if things keep going like this, I think uh, Andrew Bogut, QAnon expert, might reclaim the best Australian player ever mantle. Because, like, at least he was reliably a thug for, like, 12 years in the NBA. Uh, <laughs> he's got that going for him. It's actually Matisse Thibel, go Sixers. He's cool. We have the cool Australian, like, the coolest Australian, and then just the humongous loser who's very tall. We have both of them. It's awesome. Yeah. Ben, why are you a Sixers my, my, fan? Yeah, go ahead. I was born in Philadelphia, and I cashed all those chips in in, like, 2014 to start rooting for the Sixers. So you did it post-Iverson? Yes, that's correct. 
Yeah, I no, don't. There's no, words. there's no excuse here. I've got nothing for you. It wasn't even they were good. Like, I think it was the year before even cool. the Fultz draft. Man. It's like really bad stuff. So you were. Yeah, I gotta say, as 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 the proud owner of like many uh, Philadelphia uh, coins or chips or whatever, uh, like. That is not the way to cash them in. Um, no. <laughs> you can you can get a lot like you can like get all kinds of cool stuff. You can get like a cool accent. Um, <laughs> you can get like uh, a 1997 like Ford Trans Am. Uh, like, lots of cool like Philly stuff. Like Sixers fandom is not one of them. So I rightly realized that for me, sports are more fun when the team I root for uh, sucks. So a team that sucked on purpose for several years is so right up my alley. As opposed to the team I root for now, which just sucks by accident. <laughs> I would say Northwestern football, in a roundabout way, does like under Pat Fitzgerald does suck on purpose. Oh, I love that uh, take. in a very specific way. Let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's, let's go. Wow, let's talk about Northwestern football, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. If you're if you're not aroused uh, thinking about an hour, an hour and a half of Northwestern football talk, I don't know. I mean, this this, this podcast might get the not safe for work tag. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, well, we're going to just steer right into this skid and uh, start doing our big moods of the week. Um, Connor, you have the one that's uh, the least dangerous, I think, so I'm going to throw it to you. Yeah, so this is actually me getting a little bit, um, a little teary-eyed about something. And I, I, I want to preface this by saying, you know, it's one of the premises of this show, obviously, is that the NCAA is, you know, an accursed and corrupt organization on the whole. College sports are, even with NIL, like, you know, heinously unjust to the athletes, et cetera, et cetera. And what do athletic department administrators and heads of conferences and everyone else that runs college sports mostly do? Mostly they overpay themselves at the expense of athletes mm-hmm. and also the expense of fans to, <laughs> often. Um and they wear cool blazers. And they wear cool blazers and they hit the golf course at 2 p.m., which, like, I'm not throwing shade on that. Like, fake jobs are, you know, fine. More fake jobs, I guess. But, like, you know, in general, these this is, like, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a class of person in college sports that makes a lot of money for doing very little, often for having terrible ideas. Like, you know, all this super conference shit, et cetera. Don't need to blame the, the point. But – these people that run college athletics have, in this case of the Michigan Northwestern game, done something actually good and cool, which is they created the George Jewett Trophy. Um, you'll hear a bunch about this if you watch the game, undoubtedly on the broadcast, but George Jewett uh, was one of the first black uh, college football players ever. He was born in Arbor. He was a great multi-sport athlete, um, both in high school and college. Uh and played a couple of years at Michigan and then transferred to Northwest- Northwestern, which is why these teams are now playing for the George Jewett Trophy. And I think that's cool. Yeah, George Jewett was uh, the first black player for both programs and uh, went to the uh, predecessor of my high school. So um, he rocks. And uh, it is, yeah, it's extremely good that they are doing this. I have the Wikipedia page open right now because I went to look for um, – Michigan and Northwestern series record. Sorry, Ben. Um, oh, gosh, and, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't want to know how many times Northwestern has won since uh, 1965. Uh, but if you do, uh, you can just type in George Jewett Trophy on Wikipedia because that's what takes you to the Michigan Northwestern series page now, um, which is uh, exceptionally cool. Um, do you, and, do you yeah. think that uh, he transferred to Northwestern um, 
for like a, a, a sports journalism degree because <laughs> <laughs> they didn't because they didn't because they didn't have that at Michigan. Did he go to Medill? <laughs> that like, is the question. Yeah, it was it was before the time of Twitter. He was just like, gosh, I just really want to be pedantic all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. George Jewett was probably really cool. I, that's 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 he caught a stray there. That but is like a, a, a really great point though. That like this is the only team that Michigan can play that like the school somehow produces more sports journalists and more epic Twitter college sports people than Michigan does. Like I don't think any other team can claim that. So hats off. I will say Adam Schefter is going hard this week. He's going yeah. real hard. He's definitely got one of those split hats, right? Like yeah. he seems like that type. Oh God. But uh, I mean, compared like Darren Ravel, just like comparatively, Adam Schefter just oozes charisma. I mean, like so true. it's like compared to Darren Ravel, like Adam Schefter is like a sex machine. Like, At least a, a, Adam Schefter like committed the journalistic crimes, and Darren Ravel just jumped on Twitter this week to defend him. So that is, yeah, uh, right. I think, an accurate portrayal. We're gonna have to call this episode Adam Schefter's sex machine. <laughs> no. Have you seen the video of? Darren Ravel holding the trust yourself sign while the team runs out of the tunnel. I didn't want to hear, no. have you seen the video it's, after what was just it said is prior to so that. good. Like Northwestern does this thing where they slap this board or whatever they run out. And like Ravel is putting all 135 pounds of his body weight, just like as hard as he can to hold this sign up. And he's getting knocked over <laughs> by people just like oh gently tapping it. And he has this serious look on his face. It's, it's horrific. That's that, that is that's awesome though because Pat Fitzgerald above all else knows how to bully nerds and I think deep I think deep down that's what he was doing there um, yeah if, if Darren Ravel is holding a sign that says trust myself as I'm running out on a football field like I'm, I'm quitting like before the game starts I'm, like, I'm not, getting that targeting I'm, penalty yeah, but, but you're yeah. trucking Darren Ravel first aren't oh you? yeah I'm taking a cheap shot at Darren Ravel for sure <laughs> Oh, goodness. That was not where I expected the uh, George Jewett trophy mood to go, but uh, it went there, apparently. Um, Dan, let's let's go to you next, because I can't wait any longer to talk about, um, <laughs> you know, uh, a topic that I may have filled in for you because I, I knew it had to be your topic. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, as, as, as you guys know, um, I think I've been critical in the past of Mel Tucker, uh, Michigan State head coach. Um, and this is really just... Uh, I, you know, I haven't, I haven't checked the news for the past week. So this is really just about me apologizing to anyone that I might have offended by being, <laughs> uh, critical of Mel Tucker. I think he's doing a great job. I think he's going to really turn Michigan State, um, into a long-term power in the Big Ten. And, you know, I mean, like, it's just such a bummer as a Michigan fan to, you know, fit with the prospect of going up against him year after year. Um, no, but, uh, <laughs> it's, it's about the fact that he was, uh, rumored to be, uh, a, a, a potential I wouldn't say leading candidate because we don't really know anything yet, but definitely a real candidate for the LSU vacancy. Um, Ed Orgeron was fired for being too horny. Um, and, uh, and among other things, <laughs> among other things. Um, and, uh, it's, it, it looks like, um, you know, Mel Tucker is per, per some early betting sites. He's the, he's the betting favorite. I wouldn't put too much stock into that. I think, you know, there's a long way to go. A lot of things could happen between <laughs> those odds swung when, very wildly yeah. from like five hours beforehand. Right. Right. Um, so, you know, look, I just think it's, it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, be careful, you know, anyone that will cheat with you will cheat on you kind of thing. 
Um, and we know that, you know, uh, Mel Tucker left Colorado after pretty much giving assurances that he would say, um, and I don't blame him for doing that. I mean, he got like, he got his salary doubled and I don't think Colorado was ever going to commit to football. So he made the right move coming to Michigan state. Um, but it would just would not, it, it is kind of great poetic justice that he might like be here for two years, um, basically and, like and then make, make a, the right move again. Yeah. Right. And like make, you know, make a team out of entirely transfers that aren't even going to be around for more than a year. So like leave zero foundation and then go to LSU. Now, I don't think that's like the most likely scenario, but I think it's possible. And I think any Michigan state fans that are like, like trying to, you know, convince themselves that there's no way that it happens are totally deluding themselves. I mean, like LSU, LSU is the type of job that even if you might get a little bit of a bad reputation for leaving after, you know, basically a year and a half, it's a top, I don't know, five, 10, however you want to put it, job in the country, the resources, the recruiting base. Um, it's one of the few places, it's one of the few schools in the country that you can legitimately win a national title. And I mean, like, you know. Ed Orgeron and Les Miles. Yeah, did it. right. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's, they've won national, it's one of like five schools that have won like a national title in the past decade. Um, less probably. I don't even know. I'm not going to do the math there. Um, and yeah, like, look, I, I think Michigan state, it could, you know, they could, I mean, they could pretty much do what they did under D'Antonio and, you know, maybe they can go a little bit further if they recruit a little bit better. Um, you know, maybe they, maybe they get a little bit closer to, you know, I don't know, like, a a Penn state or Michigan level, like they could, they could get there and, and be in the, the, uh, college football playoff, you know, once or twice a decade, maybe things break the right way. But LSU just has a much easier path to get to a national title. And those jobs don't come open every year. And um, I could definitely see, you know, if if, if LSU decides that they want him, um, LSU's AD, I think is, uh, I, I don't know what his name is, but I know like that he's like a killer. Like he's a total, like, you know, willing to like poach a, uh, a poach a candidate from another um, school, no matter how it looks. And I don't know. I think it's a real possibility. And I think that um, it would just be extremely, extremely funny <laughs> um, you know, to see that happen. So I hope well, it does. I, I mean, the good news is that Michigan State has never lost a good coach to LSU before. So. <laughs> That's true. I just want to say, like, I mean, you said this, but I think it, it, it needs to be underscored. I can't believe we have to. I mean, I can believe it, but I also can't believe we have to explain to Michigan state fans that like they're a worse job than LSU. I know it makes their blood boil. And like, that's one of the funniest things about watching them squirm all the time, but it's it like literally happened before it literally happened like, before this, is, this exact move. Nick yeah. Saban you, did it. And this is like, it's like very rarely, very yeah. rarely do you get like a test case where it's like, no, like it has happened. It has happened. <laughs> and the rest college of football has so many teams and so many coaches. And so rarely do you get to make a one-to-one comparison and yet here we have a one-to-one comparison we can make. And Michigan State fans are still like, no, absolutely not. I love you gotta it. got to respect that. Like, the unfairness of college football, I think, is honestly part of its appeal. Like, it is like a savage, heartbreaking sport. Um, it's, you know, a lot of extreme emotions in the sport. And one of the reasons for that is that, like, it really matters in college football whether you were good in, like, 1898. <laughs> Michigan State wasn't good enough in 1898, and that's why LSU, one of the reasons that LSU is a better job. Sorry, sucks to suck. 
in related news, Northwestern won uh, six of the first 13 games uh, mm. in the uh, Michigan series. See? And then the series <laughs> ended right there. <laughs> <laughs> and they never played again. Yeah, really, that, that's why I, we brought Ben on. This is such a special occasion. Yeah, honestly, North, Northwestern is looking at, at at you, Chicago, like, that should have been me. <laughs> <laughs> why did we do this? Um, la- last thought on the Mel Tucker thing, like, I think, like, the, some of the reasons that, like, it, I mean, the reasons that Michigan State fans are giving that he would never go are like, A, it's like, oh, like, you know, we made a, com- a financial commitment to him. It's like, I don't know, man. Sounds like a you problem. Like, it's <laughs> it's not like that doesn't matter at all. No. Like, you can make – like, teams make teams make big, like, uh, investments all the time. It doesn't mean the coach has to stay forever. Um, and then it's like, B, you know, like, oh, he's he's, like, really invested in Michigan State and it's like – I don't. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I'm sure he likes Michigan State. I'm sure, you know. But like, these again, these jobs don't come open every year. Um, and uh, I think there was another one. Was like, oh well, why would he go to LSU? Like, and play in the SEC? It's a tougher job. And like, yeah, it's a tougher job with more um, with more uh, expectations. But Mel Tucker to me does not seem like the type of guy that like is just wants to be comfortable. Like he seems, you know, all jokes aside, seems like a pretty ambitious and like driven guy. He seems like, like he's not the type that's going to be like, Oh, you know, I'm actually kind of comfortable at Michigan state. Like, no, this guy wants to win a national title. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it, it's I, like, Oh God, sorry. Like the list of coaches who coach division one football, who think that they can't win a national title is a completely empty list. Like to get to that level of success, which like, Mel Tucker or whoever the heck is coaching any team in the Pac-12 or whatever, like you think that you are the best. It's the only way that you can get there. So that like line that always comes up of like, oh, well, he could get fired in two years if he only wins nine games. It's not even in the back of his mind. Like right, yeah. what he's thinking it's, is I'm about to go win a national title at LSU. Like, hell yeah. It's yeah. And, so and people are like, and people are like, oh, well, you know, like Ed Orgeron just got fired after winning a national title two years ago. It's like, yeah, and Ed Orgeron is a rich man forever now. Right. Like, things worked out okay. Like, he's going to be fine. And, and they um, also uh, had some serious uh, title right, yeah. issues. Right, I mean, and that, that was, look, Ed Orgeron, we all were laughing at the time of the national title about, like, oh, this is such a joke. Like, he has nothing to do with this team. This is, like, a generational team that he just, like, happened to, you know, like, look, give him credit, he put it together. But, like, th- the pieces came together perfectly. That was not an Ed Orgeron thing. And everyone Including on the it. coordinator level. Yeah. yeah. Right, exactly. Um, and then, yeah, and then the thing like, oh, well, you know, MSU can match any offer. It's like, look, I think that MSU, <laughs> you want to I think, um, I think that, first of all, they might not be able to, you know, like we've seen them go cheap before, but I'm not going to poo-poo that because MSU does like, looks like they have more um, can the rest of more us fun- it then? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> they have, they have more, the they have more fundraising power than they had in recent years. That is true. Um, they, they definitely have more but fundraising LSU, power, man. but they're not going to outbid LSU. Like if LSU decides they want him, like there's, it's just like their MSU is not going to hit a number that LSU can't match. You know what I mean? That might happen the other way around. Like there might be a number that like Dan Gilbert and uh, it, Matt Ashiba are basically like, you know, all right, man, that's not like, that's not worth it. We're not making that kind of investment in MSU football, you know? Um, so anyway, I think it's a real possibility. I think it'll be hilarious. Um, and I think that it's pretty funny that, you know, MSU was kind of blessed that like Tom Izzo and Mark D'Antonio are both like very much program guys, like for, at least for the last, like, you know, decade of their careers, respectively, that never really looked elsewhere. And, you know, now they enter the world of like, oh, wow, we have a hot coaching candidate and, uh, you don't just get to automatically keep him forever. 
Yeah. Um, Michigan State, uh, for in the case of Tom Izzo, it's good that they're a basketball school, but uh, this is a reminder that they are actually a basketball school. We joke about Michigan being a basketball school, but uh, it is actually true for Michigan State, as hard as they try to be something else. Um, my big mood of the week uh, is what the fuck, Nebraska, because um, I, I'm just looking at the results. And I don't. So obviously they lost to Illinois in week zero, which is inexcusable. And then they go out and they crush two tomato cans. And then they lose by six against Oklahoma and three against Michigan State. And again, they absolutely should have won until they punted the wrong direction on a directional punt. Uh, they beat Northwestern 56 to seven. Is that they, true? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> and then they come within three, three points of Michigan. And now last weekend they go out and lay an egg and lose by seven to Minnesota, who now somehow controls their own destiny in the big 10 West, which is a whole other thing. Uh, but Minnesota lost to Bowling Green this year. And I, I'm sorry. They're just, I, I know they've turned it around a little bit, but that's a bad team. And Nebraska, I mean, I know they're kind of snake bit in close games, but at some point when you are this terrible at, like, actually winning games, uh, it, it might actually be a problem with you. And I don't know how much leeway Scott Frost can get, which is kind of wild to say, um, given, uh, I don't know, he was the prodigal son and everything, and it doesn't feel like we're that deep into his tenure, but... Uh, I think we're done with comparisons with between him and Jim Harbaugh because those those records aren't. <laughs> I mean, he's slipping below Rich Rod right now in terms of like his. Uh... Yeah, we are making much more alarming <laughs> Michigan coach comparisons yeah. than Jim Harbaugh. I, like, I just here's here's the thing, right? I think that Nebraska. I've been trying to figure out what their deal is all year. I think they're the rarest thing that you rarely see in high level sports, which is a good team in terms of they have quite a few good players that make good plays with a total loser culture. Like, they have built a downright losing culture, a culture that leads to losing games. That's pretty unusual. And I guess hats off to Scott Frost for that unique achievement. (laughs) It's insanely frustrating to, like, believe the Nebraska meme every single year, which I do every single year. It's like, this is the year it turns around. And they lose 10 consecutive one-possession games. It's like, (laughs) at some point, the numbers have to work out in their favor but i don't think scott frost's gonna have the chance to actually see that it's crazy the array of teams they've lost by one score to it's illinois michigan state michigan uh and minnesota and oklahoma (laughs) and like like those that's like three top 10 teams uh a team that lost to bowling green at home and uh and like the worst team in the Big Ten, they all lost by one score. Like that's incredible. It's um it's gotta be unprecedented, it's honestly. Three undefeated yeah. top ten teams. That's ah. Yeah. Well um, um mercifully just, they do get their bye week uh this weekend, but um they're they gonna close, lose that too. Yeah, they, they will find a way. <laughs> and then they close uh against Purdue, uh Ohio State at Wisconsin and at home against Iowa on that horrifying uh, Thanksgiving Friday game. Uh, Yeah, they could easily, they could easily lose the rest of those. I mean, like it's not out of the question at all. Yeah. And they could also somehow win any of those. That's uh, correct. With the possible exception of Ohio state. I just don't want to hold out any hope for that. (laughs) But uh, everything else on the table for Nebraska, except, uh, you know, a bowl game, probably that seems off the table. I mean, it would be the funniest thing in the history of the Big Ten 
especially in the playoff era, if Scott Frost went out and beat Ryan Day's Ohio State <laughs> to go yes. like four and eight on the year. Please do that. <laughs> and still gets fired. Um, <laughs> I would love that so much. Um, we did uh, last weekend get to enjoy uh, a different Big Ten West team finally get exposed for who they were. Uh, ben, please take it away because yeah. we've all been eagerly anticipating this moment. Yeah, I was bad. <laughs> they were bad when they were ranked two. They were bad at the start of the year, and they remain bad. And they finally actually lost a game that they deserved to lose. And it was extra spicy that Petrus threw like nine interceptions in that game, like all of them in the fourth quarter, all of them in the red zone. It was just like a little bit on the nose. Uh, but you know, coming from the Big Ten West, where I watch my team toil every season. There is truly every single year a bad team that accidentally wins nine or ten games just by like being in the right place at close to the right time. You could like accidentally have a pretty solid season. And Iowa's clearly the beneficiary of that this year, and they still suck, and they're going to lose a lot more games this year. Like this isn't done yet. Like they lost a bad game to Purdue at home. They're gonna lose this week. They're going to lose to Nebraska at the end of the year for sure. And I think they're going to drop at least one of the weird games that they have left. Like, this is a bad football team that people can pretend is decent because they had a two next to their name at one point. But, like, I mean, on skill, this is what? An eight and four team? Seven and five team? And that's they have a chance of, like, ending at that level, which would be just right because, God, I hate that program. Get their ass, dude. <laughs> <laughs> No it was good. annoying the hell out of me that we like had to just act like they like I was talking right. to my friend at the uh, bar about this. It's like everyone just decided like, oh yeah, we're gonna just pretend that Iowa's was good, you know, like commentators, <laughs> yeah. everyone. It's like I'm like, no, like we we all we can don't watch have to do the this. game. We don't <laughs> like it's like six and like a lot of teams have been six and zero. Like we don't have to pretend this team is good. Like and you know, look that goes again. Uh, I mean. Uh, never mind. I'm not going to say it goes for Michigan because Michigan has actually like looked decent in games. Like they've looked, Iowa has looked bad in at one point in every game they've won. You can easily like roll the dice enough times to like go six and zero. Oh, you know, in in games that you play badly in, and it was so obvious, and it was awesome to see. Um, you know, it was awesome to see just like Purdue, like not even win in a fluky way, just like kick their ass. Oh God, it was hopeless. I mean, yeah. Iowa was never in that football game. No, like, no, it, they. If you can Purdue throw the ball the... just that much, just the, the teeniest tidbit in the Big Ten West, like, you're kryptonite, and it's awesome. <laughs> like, just yeah. a little stop route to David Bell. Okay, that's 12 yards. We're going to do that every single play. It's awesome. It's the best. Uh, at least uh, every single Iowa fan in existence saw this coming. Oh, God. that That's, like, the extra kicker to me, Ace, is that, like, the disrespect card that Iowa was playing. They were so like, mad. It's just like, I watched Northwestern go to a Big Ten championship last year with a bad football team. <laughs> so, like, I can claim this as, like, like we said earlier with Mel Tucker, like, this is a thing that has happened that I have lived through. And let me tell you, what you do is you say, LOL, that was kind of cool, and you just carry on with your life and you wait for your team to lose because your team is bad. Like, that's the normal way to handle the situation. And Iowa talked themselves into this. Like, they worked themselves into this fervor that they were actually good. And then they just had to eat that humble pie. It was, oh, just want to live in that moment forever. The aggressive belief that 2021 Iowa with Spencer Petrus at quarterback was a uh, top five team and a legitimate playoff contender. Sick. 
just do not amazing. Care for it. Yeah. Just amazing. I wouldn't Incredible know. stuff. Like, where does Iowa get these quarterbacks? Because, like, Petrus is the kind of guy I feel like I don't see playing in college football much anymore. Like, total statue <laughs> will never complete more than, like, 52% of his passes in yeah. a game. Like, this is, like, a 1998 quarterback. It's yeah. pretty... Kirk, Kirk Ferentz, like, goes into a time machine to find his quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, he, he did legitimately pull him out of uh, California, which has got to be, like... By far the far, like, wow. he is willing to reach so far to get a below-average quarterback of a certain type. What are the chances that Kirk Ferentz has never seen an ocean? Like, <laughs> 38%? Is the Rose Bowl within sight of it? Because if not, I don't then... I think it uh, is, yeah. yeah ooh. Like, yeah, uh, if, if, trouble. if, uh, if... Going, going to going to California and recruiting Spencer Petrus out of California is like if you were like an explorer in like the 1500s and you went to the far east to get like acorns. Like, <laughs> what are y'all doing with these spices? <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, it's like, did you get anything cool? It's like, no, like just like, you know, they had like some like a little bit different acorns yeah. over there. You brought back some salt. You guys seen this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Well, uh, Iowa is bad, but something that is good is um, the apparel from home field. Uh, this was a tremendous transition on my part. I should really do this professionally. Um, <laughs> use the promo code Bucket Problem for fifteen percent off your first order from Home Field Apparel, uh, our first and uh, currently only and most loyal sponsor. And they are now selling stickers, uh, which are uh, legitimately sweet. Uh, they have the Tulsa Green Wave one. They have a little Home Field shirt guy. Uh, they've got an LSU one, and there's another one that I do not remember off the top of my head, but I do remember uh, that I want all of them, and I'm going to be slapping them on my laptop. Um, so go to homefieldapparel.com to get those and uh, use that promo code BUCKETPROBLEM for 15% off. If it's your first order, uh, use a fresh email if you've uh, not done that before. <laughs> um, uh, we may be flirting with getting a dumped by our sponsor again, but uh, that's how we operate. Um, all right. Now it, it, it's time for uh, I don't I don't know if Ben wanted to talk about this or not, but we are actually going to discuss uh, Michigan versus Northwestern a What's little that? bit. Um, <laughs> so on, on Saturday there's a football game, and uh, oh, and and that's unfortunate. On, yeah, it's it's really they they even put it at noon. Um, that was nice in in the uh, in the Fox slot, uh, the big so noon good. Saturday. Yeah, terrific. Um, so they, that was. They were like, first choice, what do we want to do here? And they were like, Michigan Northwestern, Snuff yes. Film. Like, Let's cool. put that in front of as many eyeballs <laughs> as possible. Um, I've written down um, a few possible topics here. Um, all of them are really mean. I apologize for that. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. What am I saying? Um, ben, uh, will Northwestern score a point? Uh, yes. There will be at least one point, and usually the rules of football mean you're going to score at least multiple points. So it won't um, be a rouge. I'm I, disappointed. Yeah, I, I do not think Northwestern will be blanked. Uh, the Northwestern offense is still bad. It's not the like, crazy bad Mick McCall years. Mike Bajakin did some cool stuff out of the gate last year. They were running the ball in like cool power ways. That's kind of not happening right now. Um, the offense is mostly pretty mediocre. Certain but people were discussing revolutions. I was, and I was wrong too. It's the first time in history where coming out in favor of a revolution has bitten someone uh, in the ass. Um, I get to be that first one, which is cool. Um, it's that 
that classic defense first coach idea of what an offense should be where like if you asked both Pat Fitzgerald and Mike Hankwitz if you did exactly what you did wanted to do in a game what would the final score be they'd probably say like yeah you know 31 nothing where you know if you asked Lincoln Riley or someone they'd say like <laughs> I want to score a thousand points I would like to win a thousand to zero that's what I want to do um, it's designed to be mediocre even when it's good uh, there are some neat things they can do downfield. Stefan Robinson, uh, the Kansas transfer, is a legit football player. Malik Washington can play a little bit too. Uh, but for the most part, it's a pretty vanilla offense that is pretty much toothless. The uh, Kansas transfer coming to Northwestern as a wide receiver being legit is... Uh, so bleak. <laughs> it's it's a bit of a mindfuck, uh, but uh, I did... Um, subject myself this afternoon to the uh, condensed cut of the uh, Northwestern Rutgers game, and uh, Robinson was extremely good. Uh, I'm not entirely sure how he does it, because to be all of Northwestern's skill players kind of look the same. Like, yes. they're, they're the same build. They're all kind of small. Um, but he's the one. He's the fast one who catches things. Um, and I guess there's one more uh, who's kind of good. But Malik um, Washington. One of them yeah. is six, and one of them is five. Do which not ask me which one is which. <laughs> I may uh, not have the answer. <laughs> yeah, I think I think um, these receivers are actually kind of a bad matchup for Michigan's corners. Um, they like they're small and fast, and Michigan's corners are big and uh, kind of slow. Um, so that's that's definitely one area where if they can get everything else to work well, they could. I think they could hit some passing plays. Um, but hell of a if, Dan. Yeah. You need to, <laughs> You need to roll the. I don't want to be too mean. I, you know, I think I, like, they they need to roll. You know, they need to roll like a critical on like on you know like pass protection and like quarterback throwing the ball. But like if they can do that, they can hit some pass plays. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. I have a serious question for Ben, which is how do you Ooh, feel about your offensive tackles? Oh man, so they were supposed to be so good. Is how is the like positive spin on it? Skaronsky, <laughs> their left tackle, played as a freshman last year and was legitimately extremely he good. He was. Um, the offensive line this year is not so good. They just aren't getting much push in the run game. Um, really struggled to protect Hunter Johnson, which was probably mostly Hunter Johnson's Ooh. fault. Um, yeah, I had to bring up that name at least once. Um, but it's 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 not going to be a fun day for the people on the edge. No question. Uh, yeah. Don't think there's going to be a whole lot of need to be sending the kitchen sink to get Halitsky on his back. I mean, the really bad news for a team like Northwestern right now is like Michigan might have the best pair of edge rushers in the country. Like Hutchinson might be the best one, but David Ojabo has been one of the best players in the country the last few weeks and is getting mocked in the first round now. And uh, I just, I just feel bad for, Whichever uh, of these guys is playing quarterback for you now, Ryan Ryan Helinski. <laughs> That's correct. It's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long day it. back there. <laughs> Does it have so, to be Ryan Helinski? Is there another healthy quarterback? So, oh gosh, is I think Hunter Johnson is healthy, but he's broken beyond all repair. Mm. Uh, then Andrew Marty is hurt, and then the third string quarterback is Carl Richardson. And the only thing anyone knows about Carl Richardson is that there is a video of him shirtless and someone yelling at him, we love you shirtless, Carl. 
<laughs> that's all we got. So uh, all it's going to be tough to pick a title for this podcast. We got a we couple really shirtless, good, Carl. really good candidates. Now. I love the idea that like um, they'll have to pull Holinsky and like put in Hunter Johnson, who's already like shell shocked, and then he's going to get sacked like seventeen yards by David Ojabo. He'll come out doing the like Call of Cthulhu, like yeah, yeah, like <laughs> seen seen horrors beyond comprehension. Like, <laughs> Oh, poor guy. And I'm apparently um, going to be screaming, put in shirtless Carl at my yes. television the entire time. This is going to be an amazing weekend. Give him a snap. Um, uh, uh, so real quick, though, quarterback wise, um, we actually went to <laughs> we suggested ourselves to the Eldritch Horror, which was uh, the Michigan State Northwestern um, opening Friday night game. Uh, at Ryan, at you know Ryan Field. I just have um, to say, Jesus Christ, you guys! And, uh, scenic Ryan Field. Scenic Ryan. I like Ryan Field. It's like Friday Night Lights. Um, but uh, Hunter Johnson was really, really bad in that game. He made a couple throws. Like he still has the arm talent, but he was really bad. It seems like Ryan Holinsky is a little better. Do you feel at least um, more confident in Ryan Holinsky than Hunter Johnson, or you know, like is it kind of like just different levels of bad? Um. It's the second one, but he is way better than Hunter Johnson. Like gotcha. you can't you can't win football games with Hunter Johnson at quarterback. It turns out, which stinks. And I've spent like a lot of pen ink writing about why it stinks. Like the Hunter Johnson experience has been just horrific to watch. But for Holinsky, he's not going to turn the ball over nine times or whatever it was Hunter Johnson did against Duke that finally put him in the back closet for the rest of his career. Um, he will still make some really bad decisions. He threw a really terrible ball against Rutgers, like late over the middle into double coverage. It should have been picked. Um, you'll get like one to three of those a game from him. Certainly does not have the arm talent that Hunter Johnson has, and yet throws like a pretty decent deep ball. Um, he's a below average college quarterback, which sometimes is fine if you're a defense first team. Um, but there's, there's just not a whole lot of juice there with Holinsky. He's not someone who can tuck and run and make a play. He's just best case scenario average. Maybe he pops once or twice a year, hits a couple of big plays, but there's no reason for anyone to be scared of what Northwestern has back there in the pocket. It sounds like you're describing like what a lot of Michigan fans think Cade McNamara is. Yeah, could be. It's, it's not. Yeah, that's that's a pretty similar kind of feel to it the big difference and probably the reason why northwestern has a quarterback like ryan holinsky who's supposed to be leading this team um is that at michigan you guys have your defense and at northwestern <laughs> we were supposed to have our defense uh and it's just just dog water bad i mean it's some of the worst stuff i've ever seen in evanston um and without that there running a ball control like low risk offense is just a waste of time it's just really no answer yeah, I was. I I have written down here. Will Michigan need to attempt a single pass? No, no, no. I mean, Blake Corum can just run stretch ten times and he'll rush for. Depending on where you guys get the ball to start your drive, like seventy-five yards carry ten times. <laughs> <laughs> like the complete lack of ability to set the edge is has been just horrific for for Northwestern. They have a new defensive coordinator this year. Uh, Michigan fans have no reason to keep track of who the coordinators for Northwestern are, but they had Mike Hankowitz, who's great, one of the best coordinators in college football, honestly. Like, I think that's not unfair to say. And they replaced him with Jim O'Neill, who you might remember as the worst defensive coordinator in the NFL. 
<laughs> when he was at the Browns. That's uh, right. Yeah, and also he was bad in San Francisco uh, when they, for some reason, had a bad defense for two years out of nowhere. That was because Jim O'Neill was running that defense. Uh, I've like tried to figure out what his scheme is. Dan's like a football knower, so he might be able to fill this in. Sorry, you ace, but it's like a two-gap quote-unquote system where the guys up front have to like read and react and then the guys behind them have to read and react uh and it sounds like at the nfl level no one knew what the hell they were doing so the idea that it's going to work in the college level is just shocking to me it's like just kind of doa uh and it's led to just horrific run fits and gigantic busts like the game that dan and i went to the first play of northwestern season was a 75 yard touchdown run by kenneth walker um, it was just complete bust from the very, very start. And there's been a lot of that ever since. Yeah, I got to say, I mean, I I think the the from what I saw, it looked like Northwestern was better on defense against Rutgers. But I mean, Rutgers offense really started off bad and has really kind of fallen off a cliff. Um, but I mean... I watched the highlights of the Nebraska. I mean, look, we were so we were at the Michigan State game, and that whole game, I thought I was like, okay, Michigan State looks better than I thought they would, but I kind of like I, a lot of the plays. I was like, there's just nobody in that gap. Like right. this doesn't even look like this looks like high school football, where like you just kind of like someone forgets to do something and you run around for you know like yep. seventy yards down down the left sideline. Um, and then I watched the uh, Nebraska game and Scott Frost, like the, the option run game uh, of Scott Frost was just like, I mean, it, it was real, like one of the worst uh, jobs defending like a college offense that I've ever seen. Yeah. Again, I'm trying not to be too mean, but it really was that bad. No, tell us um, how you really feel, Dan. <laughs> dig in a little bit. And so I think, I think, I mean, like, you know, you, you always had with Northwest, with Hankowitz, like they didn't always have the most talent. I mean, this is so cliche to say, but they didn't always have the most talent, but they were always in the right spot, right? And they had guys that were good about the, what they wanted them to do. Um, and it just feels like they lost a lot of that talent. They'd probably be pretty bad anyway, even if Hankowitz was still here. But they've now they're, like, learning this whole new system, and that system might not be any good. So, like, you know, talent, scheme, execution is all, like, just not working right now. So yep. this, I think this is probably the worst defense in the Big Ten, give or take Illinois. And I'm sorry. I am really sorry to be that mean about it. But. <laughs> oh, that hurts. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think they'll beat Illinois, though. Illinois is really, oh, thanks. really bad. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> These, the hack game is, is that going to be like this year? Yeah, the sickos game of the nascent 2020s so far. Illinois Northwestern this year. <laughs> I think that's a great game. That it is a bad enough <laughs> game that it is literally going to set us back into last year. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, yeah. These I think, linebackers I mean, look, suck. Like these <laughs> linebackers are bad. Yeah, Northwestern. I, I am. I pulled up Football Outsiders out of uh, morbid curiosity, and Northwestern's uh, um, line yards on defense, which is basically like the offensive line gets credited for a certain number of yards, um, or if you're the defense, the defensive line sees a certain number of yards. Um, before the Roddy back has to actually start like avoiding defenders. Um, Northwestern ranks a hundredth in that on the whole and on standard downs when Michigan likes to really pound the rock. Uh, they are 116th. I don't know mm-hmm. how many division one teams there are this year, but there aren't that many more than that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a disaster. It's, it's really, really terrible. Um, obviously pieces left, right? Like Patty Fisher is gone. Um, who's, 
obviously like an incredible linebacker and pieces up front left and pieces up front came back like Sam Dutt Miller who opted out last year and was extremely good two years ago. He's back and he's playing. Um, but Chris Bergen, Bryce Gallagher, Khalid Jones, like these guys are just not good football players and it's getting exposed horrifically in this scheme. Like Chris Bergen, especially was someone who was like part of that big three linebacking core last year. They got a ton of play as like this experienced group of guys who really know what they were doing. Um, he has walk-on athleticism. And when you actually have to do stuff, like when Patty Fisher isn't just the human eraser in the middle making everything look right, you get exposed. You get put on an island really, really quickly. Like the idea of Bergen having to do anything to Corum or even Haskins, just terrifying for any Northwestern fan. They're not going to win that matchup ever. It does seem like the one thing that they do kind of well defensively is get to the quarterback on passing downs. Is that something that requires like throwing a way too many blitzers at somebody or is that like a real organic thing from the, the front line? Yeah, really good question. Um, so part of the reason why Jim O'Neill was kind of brought in was to be disruptive and like do weird blitzes and stuff. So there is stuff like that. Um, but they have some pretty good players up front. I'm going to massacre the pronunciation, so I'm probably not going to try. Um, but Adebaware is really, really good. Um, had four TFLs against Rutgers. Uh, he's extremely, extremely solid. Uh, Northwestern's really, really deep up front. Like, they can roll, like, nine guys out there, so people are fresh. Um, a lot of them are pretty solid. No one, you know, as good as, say, like, Ernest Brown, who was on the team last year and had got some run in the NFL this year. Um there are some decent things they can do there, but the kind of game with Jim O'Neill was supposed to be that he like does weird shit, like confuses your offensive line. Um, so there, there are going to be some weird blitzes, I would think, especially coming off, you know, or they're not off a of bye week. Never mind. <laughs> I tried, um, but I would expect them to do something like that. Michigan's off a of bye week, so yeah. They will be, so uh... Northwestern will be ready for that. Yes. Knowing that Michigan is off a bye week and they'll have weird stuff set up for sure. I think speaking of um, rushing the past, go ahead, Ace. Oh, I, I no, go for it. I I was going to ask how slow this team was, and that feels mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I was just thinking about for our Michigan audience, like what is interesting for Michigan fans coming out of this game, assuming that it is a pretty handy victory. If it's not, that will be the interesting news coming out of the game. Right. But um, <laughs> if it is, like I think. One thing I'm really curious about is just how much J.J. McCarthy we see. Um, yep. Because we will see a lot of him. Uh, we would see him even if this were a better opponent uh, because they are working him to the offense in a routine way. I just want to know if they're going to like let him you know, run some routine pl- pass plays and kind of get into the rhythm of being an every-down quarterback. Um, because that could potentially foreshadow some things later in the year. Though I don't think they're going to switch out McNamara while they're still playing well, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think that watching what they do with McCarthy is going to be interesting here and hopefully northwestern doesn't doesn't hit him too hard tell them tell him to go easy on him okay <laughs> oh for sure yeah i mean i think if if michigan wanted to win this game by a million points it would be a ton of jj mccarthy right like what dan was saying about the nebraska game where just northwestern and mobile quarterbacks are just oil and water just don't know how to deal with them um so like there are kind of two thoughts about it when the team is so overmatched which i'm not going to pretend northwestern isn't like they should lose this game by a lot of touchdowns where you can you know, really try and figure out what you have with McCarthy, or you can just roll out Cade McNamara and like run your standard C minus stuff and go home with a twenty point win, and no one really cares. Like it's definitely an opportunity for you guys to try something, no doubt about that. 
I get the feeling the offense is going to be uh, on a shelf uh, for most of the game. Um, that Nebraska game, uh, for people who missed it, uh, they ran for 427 <laughs> yards and seven touchdowns on 53 carries. Um, is that good? <laughs> uh, for Nebraska, pretty amazing. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, that, uh, geez, that was actually the first time I'd looked at that number. Also, Michigan State <laughs> ran for 326 yards on Correct. 37 carries. I, I know that was mostly Kenneth Walker, but I, I think Peyton Thorne can, like, sort of do some things with his legs every once in a while. So the fun stat about our defense, which unfortunately Rutgers ruined, but prior to the Rutgers game, they, Northwestern had played three games against Power 5 teams. And the first play of the game against those teams, um, Michigan State goes for 75 and a touchdown. Um, Northwestern starts with the ball against Duke, has a uh, delay of game on the first play of the game. (laughs) When Duke gets the ball, they go for 50 yards through the air. And then against Nebraska, the first play of the game was a 70-yard game. And then they scored two plays later. Like, there are just chunk plays everywhere to be had. It's it's. It's not good times. It's yeah. Really, it's really not good. <laughs> I mean, the main thing I noticed about, like, what worked for Rutgers against Northwestern was just, like, Bo Melton was sort of running wide open behind guys in lots yeah. of open space, and including on the one Rutgers touchdown catch. The hardest part was just making sure his feet stayed in bounds because uh, Noah Vedral uh, put a little bit too much on that one. But, uh, God, he's bad. He, uh, But, <laughs> yeah, Bo, Bo Melton was just all alone in the back of the end zone. Um <laughs> like 30 yards downfield uh that didn't seem great for northwestern secondary because they look both uh slow and disorganized yeah that's that about sums up the state of the northwestern defense this year slow and unorganized at least the offense is also slow (laughs) yeah is there is there a fast person on this team other than robinson and Washington, no, everyone. So Evan Hall is the speed back, and he's slow. <laughs> he's not good. Wait, that's the speed back? Yes, Evan Hall is the speed back. Oh, no. Yeah, the other two guys that's are power tragic. backs. And I think Claire is pretty solid. He's like a bowling green transfer or something like that. He's mediocre, but to me, he is solid. And then the third running back is this freshman power back, and I don't think freshman power backs are ever any good. He'll be good in two years, but... It's yeah. Cam Porter went down for the year uh, with some lower body injury, and there's there's no one else. It's it's an empty room. So real quick, uh, I just do want to say like just because the last time we were this like um, you know talking down about a team, uh, we we were super giga wrong. Um, and uh, so I just I just want to say like. Northwestern did beat up on um, Rutgers, who gave Michigan a game. What do you think, like, if if Michigan does what they did against Rutgers, which is pretty much just put their offense in the closet for, you know, the entire second half and not run, you know, kind of just, like, try to salt the game away and get sloppy and whatever. Um, I don't know. Like, what what do you – what is, like, the level of crazy stuff that has to happen for Northwestern to win this game? Hmm. Gosh. It's, it's all like a – it's a sample size question, right? Because – the short answer is Northwestern against Michigan is a different team than Northwestern has been in the rest of their games. And if that happens, then Northwestern can beat Michigan. But like the more long answer about what has to happen is there have to be coverage busts for Michigan that lead to kind of like free chunk plays in the passing game for Northwestern. Um, Michigan doesn't look to push the ball down the field ever and runs it in between the tackles too much. And then Northwestern can maybe make it interesting. Because I thought 
the big mistake that Rutgers did, and it's probably because Rutgers sucks and they can't do anything else, is they didn't run anything to the edge, it felt like. It was all just dive mm-hmm. plays in between the tackles where Northwestern is, like, solid enough. But, you know, when you make a linebacker set an edge and you make a corner make a tackle, boy, howdy, Northwestern's in deep trouble. I kept waiting for Rutgers to hand the ball off to Bo Melton. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, do something. Like, do something to the boundary. Like, make those linebackers run sideline to sideline. They just chose to lose 21-7. Well, I think like, yeah, that was a Michigan, fans, Michigan fans can rest easy because one thing Jim Harbaugh teams have never done is give up the <laughs> disastrous coverage busts down the field and run the ball between the tackles too much. So I think we're good. That, that's true. At Safe. least this year, we've seen like one really bad back end coverage bust that resulted in a big play, and otherwise, Mike McDonald's defense at least has been much more, um, part, uh, certainly in large part by design, um, uh, better at holding down uh, those big plays through the air. Which is why I'm like Northwestern. I I don't want to say I'm nervous about the vertical aspect of Northwestern's passing game, but that is the aspect of their offense that you at least. Uh, have to fear more than the others Um, but Michigan just being able to keep safeties over the top because it's not like Northwestern is going to run the ball on them seems like um, they'll be able to give the cornerbacks the help they need especially since um, if anyone lines up in the slot or anywhere near it Dex Hill is just going to be lined up over them and hopefully erase that option. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always easy to say this as, you know, when you're pointing at a bad team, but I think Northwestern is a especially easy team to play against if you're worried about an upset it's like it's really just do your job like northwestern isn't going to do anything that's crazy out of left field the trick plays that we've tried this year even have been truly horrific we had the like running punter power on four that was amazing (laughs) (laughs) which didn't work turns out that was a you're not gonna believe it if there's a variety power from like 15 yards back it doesn't work very well if there's a variety of power that jim harbaugh doesn't run that's how you know it's never worked ever (laughs) goodness that was bad they also ran a flea flicker in the rutgers game that like was almost intercepted between the running back and the quarterback like just there's, there's nothing there it's an empty playbook it's just if michigan shows up and does more or less what the coaches ask them to do it'll be a comfortable win i'm more than fine saying that yeah it's uh god northwestern isn't even good at punting correct and also the punter got hurt uh <laughs> running punter <laughs> power <laughs> he came back like he's more or less fine but he was He's not in a good way. <laughs> he was they they risk one of their most important players. Well, yeah. Sometimes you really just need to pick up four yards in plus territory, <laughs> so you need to go stand twenty yards away from the line of scrimmage to do it. <laughs> I saw. I think I saw that play in the highlights. Was that one? They just snapped it to him and he ran forward, right? That is correct. Like, that was yes. the. Yep. Okay. Perhaps <laughs> that's like, that was the play was to dive, but it was I, I almost thought like good. I'm like he must have lost his mind. Like that can't <laughs> be the play call. Like it's it's all he did was just take the snap and run forward. I'm like that can't that can't. Be. Like, <laughs> he, he read that wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's like I don't know what that like that that's there's uh, like I look it, Pat Fitzgerald's a good coach. Like that can't be what he had him do. <laughs> and uh, yes. Other special team stuff, the kicker's only four for eight on field goals. He's is that... horrible. Okay. Oh, that, my God, confirmed. is he bad? Right. He's just, ugh, it's not good. And he's been there, like, he's been the kicker for years, right? Yeah, like, he that's made, a like, name a I recognize. game-winning kick a couple of years ago, I feel like, and has missed every single kick since then. So he's due. He's due for a good game. 
All right, yeah, he will be the one breaking our hearts uh, when Michigan <laughs> decides to just run it up the middle on literally every play um, and is only up by uh, three in the fourth quarter. That's go- that's going to be brutal. Yeah. Um, all right, I think that – is there anything else, Ben, that you want to get out about this game before we just move on to picks <laughs> that uh, actually do start right off with this game? Release I, I me from this it. coil. Make me <laughs> okay. make me watch this team anymore. <laughs> all right. Um, so last week's picks didn't go so hot. Uh, Dan finished 2-2-1 two, two, and one, and therefore finished one pick ahead of everybody else um, because uh, Michigan State-Indiana ended up being a really uh, horrible push. Uh, Michigan State won by exactly five, which was the number we had when we uh, started making these picks. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, our collective belief in uh, Nebraska and Rutgers uh, turned out to be misplaced. <laughs> Who would have believed it? Um, and we're going to get back at it anyway because that's what we do. Uh, Dan, uh, Connor, and Alex all have uh, winning pick records on the season. Uh, I am at 15, 18, and 3. Uh, everybody shut up. Um, Northwestern, plus 23 and a half at Michigan. The over-under for this one is uh, 51, um, which I got to say uh, feels a little high. Um, Alex uh, did submit his picks uh, despite not being on the pod. He picked the under for this one. Uh, I've got Michigan because uh, you just heard our segment. Um Dan, uh, I, th- I think you're going in the other direction here. Yeah, so um, I- I'm going to go with Northwestern. Uh, Michigan's been pretty good against the spread this year, but um, 23 and a half is a lot. There's a lot of ways you can cover that without being particularly competitive. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, look, Michigan's got Michigan State next week. This is a classic look ahead. I think they're going to put the offense in the in the. Uh, they're going to put the offense away for the second half. Um, and yeah, I think I, I think Michigan wins by like you know, comfortably by like 17 or 17 or 20 or whatever. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I just feel like Northwestern will kind of backdoor cover this game. Um, so yeah, Northwestern with the points. Connor, uh, you seem wary of that possibility, even though you're going with Michigan. I just, I, you know, I'm thinking about what Ben was saying and just in general, um, I think this Michigan offense is, good is good enough in a way that like they're probably going to score a bunch in the first half and also just running their most vanilla stuff will probably work really well um especially because i i know i said this last week like i'm back to being a big believer in michigan's running game and i just don't know what northwestern is going to do so i think where dan is right is we're going to have like the all walk on you know caden colasar playing edge uh fourth quarter <laughs> defense that might give up a backdoor cover but i just think michigan's going to score a lot of points in this game uh, ben, I, I think you have that same belief. That's correct. That's why I'm taking the over. I think that there are a lot of points in this game. I think if Michigan wanted to, they could get there themselves, which is kind of why I was on the over for Nebraska. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that if Michigan wants to, Blake Corum will rush for as many yards as he so chooses. I think that Northwestern is going to score at least a little bit, probably late in the second half when the game is over. So that's where my money is. All right. Yeah. The more I think about it, the more I, I'm considering switching my pick to to an over. But um, I've already filled in my thing, <laughs> so I, I, I'll, I'll commit to backing Michigan. It worked the last time. Um, God, this is gross. This is a gross week. I'm, I'm just warning you all ahead of time. This is a terrible week of football in the Big Ten. Um, Illinois plus 23 and a half at Penn State over under 46 and a half. Um, I guess they're assuming Penn State is going to account for most of those. Um, Ah, uh, 
I want to change my pick uh, because it really does sound like Sean Clifford is going to be out for this one, um, both because uh, the quotes make it sound like this is a, a his vague injury might be a sort of long term vague, and also because why the hell would you play him against Illinois? Uh, that said, I don't trust Illinois to cover against a single Big Ten team at this point. Just none of them. Maybe Northwestern. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Alex picked the under in this one, too. He is having a very sicko week, apparently. Um, Connor, uh, you are also trusting in Penn State, uh, despite the uh, the whole Clifford thing. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason that I'm losing to Dan is not because Dan knows more about football than I do or anything like that. It's just because I keep... Yes, uh... it is. It's because I know more about football. <laughs> yeah, Dan's smarter. He's he's handsomer. He's definitely not taller, though. But uh, he, uh, <laughs> he's been smartly picking like teams that I hate uh, against the spread, like Michigan State and Ohio State. I have taken my lumps by picking against Ohio State too much, picking against Penn State. No more. I'm not overthinking this. Just, yeah. Penn State's going to be down on these guys. So, all right, Dan, also going with your uh, your second team here. Yeah, um, no, Penn State. I think uh, uh, I think Illinois is going to score zero to three points, um, <laughs> and uh, I think that this is a situation where it's probably going to be um, Taquan Roberson starting, and they've actually had a bye week to like you know drill him on the offense which it seems like he just didn't know maybe anything. get up to learn how the, yeah uh, just like pick up the playbook work <laughs> right which uh, to be fair tough to come in as a backup in Canada oh but, brutal you know, but it's a bad brutal. time to learn that uh, yeah. the offensive line can't hear your cadence <laughs> yeah right right <laughs> and that you um, don't know how to do a silent count <laughs> so they, they've had two weeks to like drill him up I think they could win this game like 28 to 3 or like 30 to 3 or something like Illinois is terrible and uh Brett Bielema just went out this week and like talked about how bad his team is like to all the media so got to imagine um they're not going to be playing their hearts out for him (laughs) yeah Ben uh you are once again uh eyeing the total instead of uh the spread yeah I mean how many points do you think Penn State would have to score for this over to hit the over is 46 and a half like 40 40 yeah. Like, yeah. Four, I, no, 40, 40 a minimum. Like, they're yeah. not. I mean, what? They, I mean, Illinois is going to score seven, maybe. Yeah, there's right? no I mean, chance. There's like, there's yeah. no chance they get in the end zone unless, like, Penn State puts it in their own end zone. So, feel really confident with this under. I just, I don't see any points being scored in this game. Yeah, this is another one. I feel like I should flip from eyeing the spread to, to the total. My goodness. Because um, Penn State, like, they're not 100% positive which, uh, which guy they're going to start, or at least that's the the way they're talking about this and uh that's not good when you don't know who your number two quarterback is um and yeah i don't know that that's going to be a really gross game uh speaking of which i've denoted this as the sickos game of the week because it had the lowest total but honestly it could be pretty much any of these games uh wisconsin minus three and a half at purdue uh, coming off their big upset of uh iowa only to be home underdogs uh, against uh, a Wisconsin team that is uh, well under 500. Um, me and Alex uh, both have the Purdue money line uh, because, I don't know, Wisconsin's still quarterback by Graham Mertz. I don't think they should be uh, getting points against just about anybody on the road. Um, and also this game is going to probably have a hideously low total. So, yeah, it, the I don't know. Three and a half feels like too many points. Um Connor, you're, you're, you're on the other side of this one. 
I think well, so I'm I'm partly uh, thinking about what would be funniest it happened in the Big Ten this year, and I think Wisconsin bouncing back to win the Big Ten West after the disastrous start they had um, would be deeply funny. And I also think that defense is still incredibly nasty. Um, and, uh, you know, Purdue's da- uh, set for a letdown after, after a huge win against a, uh, you know, a historically good Iowa team, as, as Ben laid out for us. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, Badger Revenge Tour is happening. This would be on brand uh, for Purdue. Uh, Dan, um, in act of betrayal, I, I think, is in the works here. So, yeah, Katie is uh, not uh, in the room right now. Uh, she, so she went out to get dinner, um, which means that I'm free to say what I want about Purdue football. I've long been under the thumb of big Purdue, uh, big drum. Hey, um, we're um, last week. Yeah. No, I know. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, no, actually, like, I. so I think Purdue's, like, a pretty decent team. Um but this is still the team that like lost to Minnesota. Um, still the team that lost to kind of an underwhelming Notre Dame, um, like pretty handily. And uh, yeah, I think that I like. I, I remember when Purdue had their big win against Ohio State um, in uh, twenty eighteen. Uh, they immediately went out and got like pants pretty bad by uh, a pretty awful Michigan State team. Um, and, uh, I think that, um, they're going to, I think it's going to be a bit better game. I don't think they're going to get pants because it's at home and Wisconsin really can't score enough to like, you know, really blow a team out. But I think Wisconsin covers, I just feel like Purdue's, Purdue's decent, um, but they're just not good enough to like get big wins in back-to-back weeks. That's just sort of the vibe I get. Um, but you know, uh, I will, if you can edit out the, uh, this part of the podcast for the specific version that just put out a different podcast that, that I can have Katie listen to. And then, um, right here, I'll give you like a, a sample Purdue covers. Um, but they're just cut everything out and then put that part in and then I'll send that to her. Uh, but yeah, Wisconsin, my real pit is Wisconsin covering. Perfect. Everybody else, uh, you know, ignore the uh, mp3.dan uh, version of this. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, ben, did uh, did Big Drum get to you too? Yeah. By the way, I think the it's weird that the mp3.dan file is a lot shorter than everyone else, but... That's... <laughs> <laughs> that was on a T. <laughs> it was right there. Um, yeah, so I... I don't know if Purdue is bad or not, but I know that Wisconsin is bad, so I guess I'm going to take Purdue. It's not my most confident pick of the week, but I'll be goddamned if I ever bet on Graham Mertz again. Yeah, I have also been burned uh, too many times with uh, trusting Graham Mertz to be competent. Um, so, yeah, three of us on the Purdue money line on that one, which I uh, failed to mention is at plus 140. Um, so... Yeah, when it's close enough, I, I think we're all uh, liable to take that instead of uh, giving the juice to the house. Um, Maryland plus five at Minnesota, a favorite. Um, gross. Uh, over under on this one, 54 and a half. I hate this game. I, I, I have Maryland because um, they're getting five points and home field is only worth like two or three and I feel like these teams are about the same level of unpredictable and bad. Uh, but I wouldn't bet this game. I, I just – I would not bet this game. Um, Alex picked Minnesota. Uh, everybody has, I guess, um, written <laughs> after their picks. Um, <laughs> Connor, how, are you feeling strong about Maryland? I mean, no, like I think Maryland's pretty terrible. I, I think Minnesota's genuinely – 
quite bad this year, and I think it's surprising they beat Nebraska. I mean, I don't, I don't know what's going on in the Big Ten West, Ben, but whatever it is, make it stop as soon as possible. Um, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, like, I, I don't know. Maryland at least has – they have some talent, but their guys keep getting hurt. I don't know if they have any good receivers left, but, like, I, Minnesota's just terrible, and Maryland's getting five points. So, uh, fear the turtle, not really – and, and yet uh, Minnesota still controls their own destiny in the Big Ten West. Um, Dan, uh, you don't have a read on this game, do you? Yeah, I've got zero <laughs> read on this game. These teams have been kind of all over the place. Um, each has had, I mean, look, like all of a sudden beating Purdue for Minnesota feels like a decent performance. Um, and, you know, beating Nebraska is, I think, also a decent performance, even though everyone seems to do it. Um, <laughs> so I, I really have no read here. I feel like I know Minnesota can run the ball. I feel like, you know, they've got a, they, they do have a veteran quarterback who's playing okay sometimes. Um, and Maryland just feels like, Maryland feels like they're liable to fall apart at any time and just completely collapse, especially on the road. So I'm, I'm going to go with Minnesota. Um, I, I just, I, but I like, if, if you gave me one game that I could stay away from, it would definitely be this one. Yeah, Ben, uh, I think you have the uh, same instinct here. Yeah, this this game is, is yucky. <laughs> it smells bad. I don't want any part of it. I guess I'll take the over because uh, Talia is either going to throw five interceptions or five touchdowns, right? <laughs> so that probably means there's going to be a lot of points in the game. Uh, but for the love of God, do not put any real money on this game. I beg you. <laughs> it's just not a good idea. Yeah, this is, this is the ultimate stay away. Um, especially since, yeah, we're split on it. And yeah, it's gross. Um Ohio State favored by uh, 20 points, but uh, for some reason, uh, points bet did not list a money line, which makes me think that that, that line is going to start moving in Ohio State's favor. Um, at Indiana, uh, over-under on this one is 60. Uh, spoiler, we all took Ohio State. Um, Connor, uh, your reasoning? I mean, betting against Ohio State is the reason I'm not up big right now in these picks, <laughs> as I said earlier. And so I just have to stop doing it. Like, I, I would like them to be worse this year than they are, but their offense is still potentially the best in the country. And that's just how it is. And Indiana is bad at football. It's going to be another beatdown. Dan, anything to add there? Yeah, I mean, Indiana is just uh, – their defense is still okay, but it doesn't. it's not nearly good enough to hold down this Ohio State offense. And um, their, their offense is like the version of the spread that you would get if like in NCAA 14 – when you would just pick like the generic spread offense, like that's the spread they run. It's just like super boring. Uh, they, it's so predictable that even Ohio state's like, you know, maybe a little bit shaky defense is probably going to handle it. And honestly, Ohio state's defense has been, you know, a lot better, unfortunately. Um, yeah, this just, just feels like, like Indiana also is probably pretty demoralized at this point. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say that, uh, Ohio state blows them out pretty good. Yeah, I uh, I was looking at the total for a moment until I started thinking about how many points Indiana might score with uh, Nick Sheridan as offensive coordinator. Um, ben, uh, I, I know you're picking Ohio State, but feel free to cater to our audience and say mean things about the Buckeyes anyway. <laughs> this is my chance. It's my chance to crack into Michigan <laughs> Twitter. Uh, Indiana's going to win. No, um, it's Ohio State. It's clearly the right thing to do here. I was like trying to find an alt line because you could kick that line up another touchdown, and I think I would still pick Ohio State. So if you mm-hmm. want to get like real degenerate with it, like get some extra points and get some extra juice out of it, but 
really, really struggle to see how Indiana makes this a game after six minutes. Like it's gonna be over so fast. Yeah, that's a that's a strong Ohio State pick. I might be logging off to uh, pull up a couple sports books and uh, see which one still has it at minus twenty uh, in a few minutes here because uh, that is it for our show this week. Um, thank you so much to Ben Gorin for joining us. Um, follow him on Twitter at kickneargios. Um, it is definitely worth it. Um, you'll definitely get all the jokes. I definitely get all the jokes. <laughs> I'm just trying to get to that audience of one ace. I just want <laughs> one person to read my stuff and think it's funny, and then I'll it's, be done. Sometimes that person is me, and sometimes I have the person <laughs> where I'm looking up and going, what just happened? Uh, uh, please uh, follow at Bucket Problem on Twitter. Go to www.thebucketproblem.com and subscribe to the newsletter and the bonus podcast, which I swear is actually happening this week. Um, I have, uh, I'm no longer on extra steroids, so... Um, hope that things are happening again um please uh rate review uh subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts uh use the promo code bucket problem at homefieldapparel.com and contact us at the bucket problem at gmail.com with any inquiries questions or comments uh thank you so much for listening and have a great week